and please open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, we're going to be getting verse 14 today. Had a great time at the celebration conference for our Sovereign Grace Church's Northeast region over the last number of days. It's a rich time. Around a thousand people gathering together from our Northeast region to celebrate. And it was wonderful to be there and to experience the worship of the Lord. But I'll tell you what, it, it was wonderful worshiping side by side with our like-minded brothers and sisters in partnership at the conference. But I'll tell you what, worship here this morning was even sweeter. Being here together, Christ Community Church, our local church family. Love you all. And it was just so rich being able to worship here together with you. We don't have all the sound system that they had up at Lancaster Bible College. We don't need that. We don't need a sound system at all. All we need is to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we can do that with our voices, with our hearts, with our prayers, with our praise. And love doing this together with you, church. Also, I just want to ask you to pray for Daniel and Caitlin Crocker, who will be going to some training with the group Pioneers that's going to be helping them to uh, be sent out as missionaries from our church to Croatia to help support our church plant. Daniel and Caitlin, are you guys here this morning? Good. Lift your hands up real high so everybody can see you. Love you guys. Yeah, we're so grateful for you guys. Grateful for sacrifices you're making, leaving America, leaving your friends and family here to go over to Croatia to be a part of that church planning team. Uh, We honor you for it. And if you all could just be praying for Daniel and Caitlin with the Pioneers training uh, coming up here at the end of this month of July. But also Daniel and Caitlin will be traveling different points of time throughout the summer um, and into the fall. uh, Fundraising, other churches doing things like that to, to, to be getting prepared and pray that their fundraising would go well. Pray that God would bless them spiritually during this time and would protect them. And uh, we're so excited about what the Lord's doing in Croatia. Actually, at Celebration, uh, Mark Prater, um, the executive director of Sovereign Grace, and our, our good friend here at our local church was talking about uh, Croatia and the work of you all. Because that church plant is a work out from you, Christ community. And Mario and Jen have been inspired to want to go forth, to take the gospel to the nations because they... We're here amongst you for six years as members of this local church, and uh, I just love it. And uh, it was a wonderful point Mark made, and I know we've said this, but it doesn't take a church of thousands of people to, to be a local church that has a heart for the nations and has a heart to reach our area here in Berks County for the gospel. And I'm so thankful for the example you are, Christ community, of your passion for Jesus and your heart for the lost and your heart to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We do have a bunch of these uh, Christ Community Church cards, um, invitations to our church. What I love about them the most is on the back where it talks about Jesus died on the cross and rose again for sinners. The Bible says anyone who repents of their sins and believes in Christ will be forgiven and reconciled to God. There's the good news of the gospel. Have you repented and trusted in Christ? And we'd love to have you join us in our mission to exalt, proclaim, and enjoy Jesus Christ together. Um, 
what I love about this card the most isn't about it being an invitation to our church specifically, but the gospel is on the back of it. And I would love to encourage you all to pick up somebody's throw these in your wallet, gentlemen, throw these in your purse, ladies, uh, teens, kids, throw them in your little bags or whatever you got. And let's reach out with the gospel to the lost in our area. And um, I'm so thankful for the urgency eternally that we had this morning in worship and so thankful for the way the Holy Spirit spoke to us through the scriptures and also through the impression, John, from you this morning. This is a time for us to really reflect and really hear the word of God and to really examine our hearts and to make sure, as we're going to look at today from this passage of scripture, that we have a heart to love and serve the Master. Because serving the Master brings eternal reward. I want to read Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. A parable that many of you know. The parable of the talents. Let's read God's Word together. For it, speaking about the kingdom of heaven, as John referenced last week in his sermon, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Oh, what wonderful words. Verse 22. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray for you to come and touch and move our hearts. We are so affected by the truth in this parable. We see you, Master. Entrusting your servants with responsibility. And oh Lord, we ask that you'd give us all grace to be faithful stewards of the responsibility that you've entrusted with us and entrusted to us while you're away. Help us as individuals and as a local church to be found faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful Christ Community Church. Almighty God, we pray that we would be this way both now and as we head into our future. I pray that we would glorify you and bring great honor to your name. Thank you so much, Jesus, for laying down your life on the cross and for enduring the cross in order to save us. You've given us everything. You've given up your very life to save us. Oh, Lord, help us to give our all for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a mentality I think that we need to have as Christians where it's not wrong to look forward to being rewarded and even to allow the reality that faithful servants are rewarded by Jesus on the day of judgment to actually be a chief motivator for us in living out the Christian life. I'm reminded of, uh, in, in the book of Hebrews in 1126, you might remember um, in Hebrews chapter 11, the famous uh, passage of Scripture that talks about the hall of faith. In Hebrews 11, 26, speaking of Moses, it says that Moses, when he was in the midst of the world, in the midst of Egypt, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses was looking to the reward. How did he abstain from feasting at the world's table? As the impression came forward this morning, he looked to the reward. He looked to the Lord's table, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and our future reward for all those who have trusted in Christ and are faithful servants. You see this with Moses. You also see the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25, 26. This is a verse my, my sister Danielle, it's one of her favorite verses, and I love uh, just this scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 9. Every time I think of it, I always think of her. It talks about that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. And there's just this call. So run that you may obtain it. Obtain the prize. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable, be ambitious, look to, strive for the reward. And so Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He's not just shadow boxing, beating the air. I, I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He's talking about that there should be purpose. There should be focus to our Christian lives. We should recognize that every moment matters for the Christian. We're called to serve the Lord, not just on Sunday mornings, but 24-7, 365. We're to be His devoted servants, His devoted bond servants. That word, bondservant, here in this parable, for it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, is actually speaking to the word slave. The word doulos in the Greek is talking about a slave. This is reminding us here of our responsibility as professing Christians. And that's the first point of the sermon this morning, responsibility. The master here, the man going on a journey is Jesus and the servants, better translated slaves or bond servants, bond slaves are professing Christian believers. He called his servants and entrusted to them his property. You see the master, the the man goes away and he entrusts to his servants his property. This language here is really important for us to understand because... In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, we read from God's Word that our lives are not our own. Do you remember that? We were bought with a price, brothers and sisters. The precious blood of Christ. Christ gave up His life as a ransom for many. And so our lives are no longer our own. We shouldn't think as Christians and talk as if our lives were just ours to live however we want to live them. We are the Lord's bond servants. And not just the Apostle Paul, but here in this passage you see he calls his servants. The the servants here is not just talking to Christian leaders. It's not just talking here to just uh, the, the Jewish people in this context who heard this and the disciples who heard this and the Pharisees and scribes who would have been hearing this in this first century context. This is talking about all those who are professing Christian believers are servants. They're dual losses. They're bond slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were bought with a price. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 6 says, honor God with your body. There's a call that we should live with, a real zeal for the kingdom of heaven. John last week talked about really the the focus on the reality that we're called to be ready and waiting for Christ's return. This parable goes into a readiness of working. Readiness of waiting. This is readiness of working. We're called to be servants, workers for God. Bought with a price, honoring God with our body, honoring God with our lives. Our lives really are, brothers and sisters, His possession. And how gracious of the Master to entrust to unworthy servants 
sinners who deserve this wrath, who formerly were objects of wrath, now objects of His saving grace and mercy through His shed blood on the cross, Jesus here speaking the week of His death on behalf of sinners is talking here in the context of the sacrifice He's about ready to make. He's talking here about entrusting to His unworthy servants responsibility. Responsibility that we have as His children to serve Him. And He entrusts His servants with talents. Each according to His ability. That phrase there talks about that within the body of Christ and amongst professing believers, there are various degrees of ability and God entrusts talents. Some five, some two, some one here in this particular scripture. A talent is a unit of money. It's not talking in our language about gifts and abilities. It's talking here about a unit of money during this time that was a very large amount of money. In fact, the estimate here is that a talent, depending on the metal that you had a talent of, was in the neighborhood of 20 years wages for one talent. Or an estimated, possibly, $300,000 for just one talent. And again, that's depending on the metal. If it was gold, it was far more than that. But for our purposes, it helps us to understand this wasn't like a $5 bill. This was the master... And it's amazing. I just got to hit this here. He says later on, you were faithful with little. He says that to the guy with five. So if it was silver and maybe in the neighborhood of 300,000 for one, you're talking 1.5 mil for five. If you're talking about gold, you're talking about maybe in the neighborhood of 25 million dollars or 15 to 25 million dollars, depending again on the metal and the currency of the time. There's some variance that this is so, so very expensive. But the, the master just says, you know, you're entrusted with little, even to the five. It talks about how rich our God is. To talk about five talents as just a little, and then two talents with a little. And, and it talks about just our awesome Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's inexhaustible in his resources and his riches and he entrusts to his servants his slaves responsibility actually his very own property there's something very serious about this that this isn't just like hey this is our money no this is his money entrusted this is what he's given to us he entrusts his slaves with the stewardship of his property. And this is really helpful language for us. It's helpful for us as we think about our lives. We need to, as Christians, adopt a little bit of a different language than the way the world talks about their lives. And here's an example. We don't talk like the world does about this is my money, my time, my talents. This can't be our mentality. This is his money. I'm a steward of what He has entrusted 
to me. It's a different mentality. It's a, an awareness that this isn't just for me to spend however I want. My life, my time, my talents, my abilities. And, and it can mean so much more. But holistically, it's just your whole life. It's, it's talking about what God has given to you in this precious gift of entrusting His property, His talents to you. There's a responsibility to us as Christians to live out our lives for His glory. And our, our life isn't our own. And we're called to live for Him and not for ourselves. Do you, when you think about money, talk about His money? When you talk about your time, do you talk about my time? Or do you talk about 24-7-365? This is His time. I am His slave. And so slaves don't talk in the language of, you know what, I just don't feel like doing this. You do it because you're a slave. You're called to do this. And actually, you you see this later in in Luke 17. You see the, the dynamic of the language of what we're supposed to have as Christians is, you know, we are unworthy servants. Again, the same word there, unworthy slaves. Lord, we've only done our duty. We're not looking here for you to applaud us and say, wow, thank you for serving me. No, I'm I'm your slave. I'm your servant. This is my duty. This is my delight. And and, and again, is this our mentality or do we constantly just kind of think more in terms of what things are costing us? That's not the mentality of a slave. A slave serves because that he does and what she does he's under the master's rule and care and look at just the generous heart of the master here he's you've you got to understand that the language we think of when we turn we think of master and slave is is so just distorted and twisted through the evils of our, the history even of our nation and of the world but here this this language here this master is a generous master entrusting his riches to his slaves his property to his slaves as he goes away. There's a obvious love and there's a there's a, a trust. There's a heart of love that you see, a heart of grace and mercy that you see from this master. And this isn't a harsh master. This is a benevolent Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, who dies for us and lays down his life for us and we all should have this mentality that we're entrusted with His property. And you see that the mentality is, oh, this is my master. These are His possessions. This is His property. And I want to be a good steward to my master's property. Even my very life is His property. And Jesus, take all of me. I give you my all. Let me ask you this question, friends. Is it obvious to anyone looking at your life that Jesus is your master and that you are his bondservant, you are his doulos, you are his slave? Is it obvious to your spouse? Let's bring it into the home. Is it obvious to your children? Children, is it obvious to your parents? When Christ transforms your life, you don't think about your rights anymore. You think about being under the lordship of Christ and serving Him. We are unworthy servants, Lord. We have only done our duty. And it's our delight. It's a glorious heart. I know many of you love that passage in Luke 17, verse 7. 
Is it obvious to everyone around me? Let me phrase that same question in a different way. Is it obvious to everyone around you that you are a servant? Would people around you, work, friends, coworkers, family, extended family, spouse, kids, parents, would they describe you as a servant? Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Is it obvious that you're a follower of the one who gave his life as a ransom? Would people describe you as a servant or do you exist to serve yourself? We have to be honest with this in order for the word to pierce our hearts and to convict, but also to bring the blessing of transformation that the Holy Spirit wants to bring in our lives. We have to be honest and not just quickly say, oh yeah, it's obvious. Why don't you ask your spouse? Why don't you ask your children? Children, why don't you ask your parents? I think in the home, that's where it really gets ironed out, isn't it? That's where it's hardest. I was talking with someone the other day about how it's hardest to really serve and honor and glorify God with those I love the most. I said, amen, we all know that. And that, that's just a reality. Don't let that discourage you. That's, just, that's how it is for all of us. But are you making strides, brother? Are you, are you making strides, sister, in being a servant in the home? Or do you have a mentality of serve me, do for me? We have a responsibility, point one. To not live with that type of mentality, but with the mentality here that Jesus advocates for, the mentality of an individual who's been entrusted with his responsibility as a slave as he then goes away. Point two, return. Verse 19. So the first point was responsibility. The second point is return. Verse 19 says this, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came. And settled accounts with them. And we see there in verse 14, it's like a man going on a long journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And then it says that he went away. In verse 15, he goes away and then he comes back. Again, remember the context that we're looking at here. Jesus is talking about the time period of the ascension. And after the ascension and awaiting his return, he's talking about that he's going to go away and that he's going to return. He's going to come back gloriously and triumphantly for his church on the day of the Lord, on the day of judgment. And and we need to have an urgency as we look at this section and remember the context that Jesus is speaking in here. John did such an outstanding job last week, didn't he, in the parable when he was talking about, remember the illustration that we as professing Christians are called to have our cell phone battery charged on 100%. Do you remember that? And just to keep that thing charged. So when we hit the flashlight on and it grows darker and the the time where we are awaiting Jesus' return grows longer and, and, and His return is delayed, as the Scriptures say, and that we don't stop waiting and that we don't stop working as his delay grows longer, maybe even than we anticipated. In Second Peter 3, we're admonished that there will be scoffers in the last days who are going to come and say, you know, where is the promise of his coming? Everything goes on now like it always did. You're, you're foolish to believe in Christ and his return. Don't you believe it? 
Let us continue waiting with anticipation, as John exhorted us last week. Let us continue to work and be faithful as we're ready to be faithful workers and servants and bond slaves of the Lord Jesus as we await his return. Good news, brothers and sisters. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And may he find us waiting and working. Motivated by the grace of God, but motivated also for the eternal rewards promised in this passage to his faithful servants. Let us be found doing business, kingdom business, as he is away. Because he's going to come back suddenly, as we've looked at over the last number of weeks. And I can't wait, can you? I've been thinking along with many of you just how exciting it's going to be when Jesus comes back. And I am so looking forward to seeing his triumphant return. Amen? Amen. I'm looking forward to it. And it's my prayer for me and my family, but also for all of us, that we would be found faithful. You know, in relation to serving and anticipating Christ's return, these servants here... You see in verse 16 that the one who received the five talents and the one who received the two, it says they they went at once. They went at once and began to labor, to put the money to work, to do trading with the traders in order to do their master well in relation to what had been entrusted to them. They didn't want when he returned to not have profit on what he had entrusted to them. And I was thinking about this in relation to Christ's return and anticipating his return. Let us all, you know, I think about this as we, as we kind of grow older together. You know, we may retire from our work, but let us never take on a retirement mentality when it comes from, to serving Jesus Christ. Let us, upon being saved, have a mindset I want to serve him immediately. I want to start right away. And this is particularly relevant for all of you young people here. Some of you who are new Christians, perhaps, maybe even over this summer. There's a mentality that I want us all to steer away from. And it's maybe someday I'll serve God. Maybe someday. It's very common. And then it's very common as we get older to say, I've done all that. (laughs) It's my time now. To just relax a little bit. You don't see that mentality here amongst the bond slaves, the servants. They immediately get to work as soon as the master leaves. And they continue their labors. There's a continuous labor. There's a continuing work with the traders. That evidences that by the grace of God, they've been saved. They've been truly born again. And they love the master. And they're anticipating, waiting upon his return. You know, there's always something that we're going to be able to do for Christ. I've been thinking about this. I, <laughs> if we live long enough, we'll outlive everybody who loves us. And I think about this sometimes in relation to someday maybe being in a nursing home and nobody visiting me anymore. And I was thinking about this. It brings me to tears sometimes. I just thought, Jesus, I might not even be able to get out of the bed anymore. But you know what? I can still pray. I can still make a little list of all the people around me to see them get saved before we all enter in to death. I can do something. There's always something I can do. There's always some effort that can be made. I remember Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon. You guys will love the title of this. It was 
for God's sake, do something. <laughs> is that a great title of a sermon? <laughs> My titles are never that good. For God's sake, do something. I think our heart needs to be from the time we get saved until the time Jesus comes back. Man, I want to be found doing something for God. I want to be faithful to the opportunities that are in front of me right now. Right now, many of us, we're raising our children or we're influencing our grandchildren or we're, we're, we're operating now in our homes and we're, we're underneath of our parents' care. Let us be found faithful with what God's entrusted to us right now and not dreaming about some hypothetical serving of God in the future. We got it right in front of us right now. Let's be prayer warriors and let's be evangelistic in our zeal right here, right now. For God's glory and be anticipating Christ's return, there's some who will never stop saying someday, someday. No, today's the day of salvation and today's the day to say, you know what? Like these good and faithful servants, they received the talents and they went at once. May we rise up, brothers and sisters, and embrace the mindset of the bond slave. And let's do all we can. And for God's sake, let us do something. All of us. And carry a real zeal for the glory of God. Point three, reactions. Reactions. Look at this passage here in 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Look again at the generous, loving, kind heart of the master. Verse 22. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done. That word well done can be likened to bravo. It's sort of a real energetic and enthusiastic well, well. It's sort of the word, well, and and we call it here, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, don't you want to hear those words, brothers and sisters? You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, and look at the contrast, brothers and sisters. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. It's sort of like an abrupt here, take what is yours. Take it. Oh, brothers and sisters, there's so much to say about the contrast. Let's look at the the contrast between these three servants. And we'll look at the first two and you see that there's an immediate action. There's no delay. They immediately begin to put the money to work. They immediately take action. They traded. It's important for us to be men and women of action. Christians are called to be doers. Now, we never do in order to earn God's approval. No, God has already lavished His approval upon us by His grace. We never obey or serve Him out of a desire to earn His favor. We have it. 
It's not obedience for approval, one Christian said, but it's obedience from approval. Isn't that good? I, lo- I love that phrase. It's so apt and so clear. We, we obey the Lord from approval. We serve Him and we work hard knowing we're approved, knowing that we're His possession. We're His bond slave, His child, and we want to serve. And we serve with, you see this attitude here, that the, the fact that they immediately go to work, it, it shows an appreciation for what's been entrusted to them. There's a respect, an obvious respect for the master. These are heart attitudes that, that really point to the fact that these servants are truly born again. And, and in contrast to the professing believer who's merely a professor and isn't truly, truly one of Christ's own, even though they can seem like it. There's a respect. There's a loyalty to the master. They're faithful all the way until he returns. There's a devotion and there's a love as well. Um, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There's a real heart here of these servants to do just that. They're active in their faith. You contrast that with the wicked and slothful servant. The wicked and slothful servant is very passive. He hides the talent that was given to him and entrusted to him. Oh, brothers and sisters, the difference between the active living faith of the first two servants and the passive mentality and the heart of the other servant, the wicked and slothful servant, is so great. If you look at the slothful servant's reaction, he, in contrast to the other two, he, he starts in and he says, I knew you to be a hard man. There's this, oh, brothers and sisters, there's an immediate... I'm blaming you for something, God, and I'm not owning responsibility. There's an immediate heart there that that looks upon God with hard thoughts. I want to really encourage all of us, and I I include myself in on this because I can feel tempted to this. Beware of giving yourself over to hard thoughts about God. And there's examples of them right here in this passage. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, and he specifies. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. There's sort of a unwillingness to work for the master. There's an unwillingness to take risks or even to put the money at interest. So the 6% exchange rate that was common under Rome at that time, at least the master when he got back could have gotten the 6% on top of the talent. But he didn't even do that. He just buried it, which was an act in this culture that would happen at times. But what's what's important to note here is that burying it It does protect you from loss, but it also seals you off from any gain. And God is concerned here in this passage about gain. It's not just about maintaining. 
There's growth that God's interested in. And it's not just, the Christian life is not just about avoiding loss or avoiding bad things. The Christian life is about doing positive things. Earning profit for the kingdom of the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven. Being faithful stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And you see upon his return, the attitude here and the reactions. They, The first two servants, they doubled the money. They, both of them doubled it. Five goes to ten, two goes to four. And they both get the same reaction. I love that. And more on that in just a moment. But they're, they're faithful to the responsibility entrusted to them. And, and may none of us who are two-talent Christians envy those who are five-talent Christians. But let us just rather trust ourselves to the sovereignty of God and recognize that, God, I, I'm just so thankful to even be in the kingdom. I'll take whatever you have entrusted to me, and I'm just going to do everything I can for your glory. Envy can greatly, greatly set you off and, and really cause you to have hard thoughts for God. So beware of that. And that's not what this passage is about, but it's just a, a side point. Beware of having hard thoughts about God that says, I'm not going to put to work what you've entrusted to me. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to work. There's an idleness there, an idle, slothful servant. You see this later in 2 Thessalonians 3, where the book of 2 Thessalonians, Paul's needing to write to a church because they were starting to give themselves over to idleness in light of the Lord's return. And he's saying, no, it's the exact opposite. As you anticipate the Lord's return, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 13 says, we labor. We wait with anticipation, but we don't wait sitting on our hands. We go to work for the kingdom of God. We go to work for one another, building up the church. In other words, brothers and sisters, that the, the church is not to be a, a museum, but a factory. We're called to be living sacrifices, not specimens on display. There's a phrase that, oh, it drives me nuts. I actually, I hate this phrase when it's describing God's people. They've been likened to being called the frozen chosen. Have you ever heard that? That, that mentality seems to, don't ever embrace it, but also it should never describe, and it never does describe true Christians. They're never the frozen chosen. They're the active chosen. They're the hardworking factory workers. And it, we're not like a museum with sort of stuffed men and women who are just kind of standing there silently like mannequins and like, oh, look at this church. Look at how beautiful everything is. No, brothers and sisters, I was, I, I was so moved by this. And somebody told me about this down in uh, Oxford, Pennsylvania. There's the HERS factory with HERS potato chips. I got to stop talking about potato chips real quick because we'll all get hungry. But at the HERS factory, you can take a tour there, and there's workers working. And at the very end of the tour, you know what they give you? They give you a hot HERS potato chip right off the press to eat. And somebody said, oh, you've never tasted a potato chip like the hot chip off the press before they put it in the bag. And it makes me want to go, hey, we should all take a church tour over there. <laughs> you probably can't eat just one. We'd be there all day, church. But there's, there's something there I love. It's, it, we're not a museum, but we're like a, a hers factory. We're making chips together. We're going to work. We're getting stuff done. We're bagging them up. We're exporting it. We're taking it out. And we're not stopping. 
We go on the next shift and the next shift and we get our Sabbath rest and we get up and we go to work again and we, we never tire, we never stop. And, you know, as we get older, that's why it says in Ecclesiastes 12, there's sort of this mentality there of let us bear the yoke in our youth and church, we've got our energy, we've got our strength still. Let us have the mentality of remembering that there's a day when our bodies are not going to be able to do what they're able to do right now. Let us do all we can and be hard workers in the factory advancing the gospel and being a local church that's a factory for the glory of God. The wicked servant doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to be a part of that. He's just slothful. He doesn't want to go to work. He wants to bury it. He doesn't even want to earn interest. And he's actually got a spiteful mentality. This act of burying it is a spiteful act. You know, one of the problems I've always had with this passage when I read it is I tend to ask the question, well, you got your money back. What's the problem? I don't understand why, why did he get, why does he get sent to hell? He got his money back. He does seem hard. No, brothers and sisters, he's generous and loving. Thinking hard thoughts about God comes as we start to harden our hearts toward him. We start to think according to the lies of the evil one who said to Eve in the garden, did, did God really say, did God really say that you couldn't really enjoy all the fruit of the garden? You can't have the, the fruit here. Does that sound like a good God to you? Did he, did he really say that? Sound, that doesn't sound like a very good God to me. Just plant that seed there in your mind and start working it over and give yourself over to God's not good. God's not for me. Harden. Pull back. Bury it. Hard, spiteful. Giving yourself over to thoughts about God that are not worthy of the gospel. We have a loving God who is for us and not against this church. We have a loving God who laid his own life down on the cross and rose again for us. Whenever you're tempted to have hard thoughts about God, remember Jesus' sacrifice of love for you on the cross. And we all can be tempted to that. He loves you so greatly. But let us be on guard. The mentality there when he's saying to him, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow. There's sort of mentality here. He's, he's a grasping master. He's going to get a profit where he himself didn't labor. He put the other servants to work, but he himself didn't work. There's a, there's a, there's a judging of, of God and, and the way he does this. There's also this mentality of, Master, you exploit the labors of others. You put us to work in order for you to get profit. And he looks upon it negatively. And so his mentality is sort of, you know, even if I do take a risk, I'm not going to profit. So why even try? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to do this. I'm going to bury it. And here, take, take back what you gave me. There, there's, there's, you have to understand, there's a heart not of love for God, but it, it's a hard heart toward God. And that's ultimately what is the evidence of this man only being a professor of Christ, but not really obtaining true saving faith and being really born again. May we never choose to believe hard thoughts about God. Suffering and trials can tempt us greatly toward this. That's why we need each other. We need each other in peacetime. We need each other in prosperity. 
There's temptations in prosperity. There's also temptations in suffering. We need to be a true church where we weep with one another and we are a safe place to weep with each other and tear down the masks and be real and honest about the struggles we're facing with, with suffering in our lives, with sin battles in our lives, where we're tempted to have hard thoughts about God. Open up to your care group about that and let people pray for you and, and come out from that and say, no, I'm not going to believe those wicked satanic lies about my God who died for me anymore. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him. He is a good master. Amen. He's good. Church, can I get an amen? He's good. He is so good. Is he not good? I love how good our God is. And whenever in doubt, look to him suffering and bleeding on the cross. God demonstrated. He proved his love. And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the final point is there's a reckoning. There's a reckoning. His master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Now listen, this is a question. The master asks a question here. He's not saying I'm a hard man. He's saying you actually believed that I was a hard man. And if you had believed it, shouldn't you have done this instead? That's an important point then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest and here's the reckoning so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents for everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and there's consequences brothers and sisters to a hard embittered heart toward God that refuses to labor for his glory. It's a wicked heart that's hard toward him. And it's a slothful, lazy servant. Another translation, a lazy servant just takes the talent and buries it in the ground and takes no risk for the kingdom of God. It casts the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And in that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We've got to remember the reality of hell. We've got to re- we've got to look and examine our hearts and say, God, is my my profession of faith is it a true saving faith? Is it evidenced by visible acts of service? Is it evidenced by eager anticipation, as John preached last week, for your return, or am I just living as if you're never going to return? Let us avoid the eternal punishment the eternal conscious torment of the damned. Let us turn from our sins and turn from our hardness of heart today, friend, and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord if you haven't already, and he will receive you. Sinner though you are, just like I once was, he will receive you and forgive you, and he'll put you to work for his glory. The reward I want to focus in on though here. It's well done, good and faithful servant. Five talents, two talents. Oh, doing business over the period of time. Well done, bravo. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to entrust you with much more. There's a reward here. Enter into the joy. There's, there's extra responsibility, joyous responsibility given to those faithful. And this is a picture of what the new heavens and new earth is like in the other gospel, in the parable of the 
that, that reflects this one. It talks about being entrusted with ten cities. It's just a marvelous little expression. But in the new heavens and new earth, there's going to be cities. And for all of us, and according to our ability and our faithfulness, God is going to reward us and we'll be entrusted as his people with ruling over cities in the new heavens and new earth. I think it's just an awesome thought. Um, but here, it's not talking about cities. It's actually talking about an ex- and more talents coming, more financial reward is the picture here of the eternal reward. It's symbolic of that, but there's a reality here of what someone buried is actually taken from that individual and given to the one who was faithful and who had 10. And we have to look at these and we have to just say, God, you are God. As high as the heavens are above the, uh, the earth, so far are your thoughts above my thoughts. I trust you. And if I read an expression about how you are, I just want to love you for all of who you are. Even the things that I need to do a double take on and say, wow, is that, is that just? Is that fair? God is way fairer and way juster than any of us could ever be. But this is a reality. They'll be rewarded. I love Hebrews 11.6 says, um, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who believe must believe not only that he exists, but what? That he's a what? A rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. There's a reality here that God is a rewarder. And he's going to reward us with glorious responsibilities in heaven that are going to be joyous. We'll never struggle. We'll never... We'll never not feel like <laughs> carrying out our responsibilities again in the new heavens and new earth. We won't suffer with tiredness anymore. We'll be able to just go and go and go like we even want to now, but feel how uh, how much we need rest here in this fallen world. And there's also going to be a holy delight. Enter into the joy of your master. There's just this joyous promise here of entering into the joy of your master. We're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to see all things made new. We're going to enter into the new Jerusalem and enjoy the new heavens and new earth forever and ever with the Lord who has suffered and died for us and rose again for us. Church, it's going to be absolutely awesome. I can't wait to enter into our joy together. I can't wait to be there forever with you. Let us do all we can to look and be motivated by this passage to say, God, you have entrusted me with talents. Let me put them to use. I've only got one life to live here for you, and I can never get it back. Let me be used for your glory. What do you have for me? There's always something that I can do. Even if I'm physically disabled, I can, I can do something. I can pray. I, I want to be the biggest prayer warrior in this church, Lord. I want to I pray people into the kingdom. I want to make a prayer list and just keep checking people off because they keep getting saved through the prayers that your poor servant is able to offer up. Ah, let us have this kind of joyous motivation to say, oh, you've done so much for me. You've done everything for me. I want to just do everything back. I, I just, I don't want to hold anything back. As Alan Iverson once said, I want to leave it all out there on the court. Oh, brothers and sisters, I want to leave it all out there on the court for Christ. And I want to encourage you, you don't need to be a pastor or a missionary or some uh, servant in that way. Your job is holy unto the Lord that you go to every day. And the tasks that you do there are holy unto God. What we need to do is infuse some of this into the grind. 
and see it for the joyous labor for the Lord that it is. And, oh man, Lord, I am earning a paycheck here. I'm providing for my family so I can preach the gospel to my family and be a blessing. And, oh Lord, I'm able to give to the advance of the gospel even through other servants being sent out from our church. And, oh Lord, help me to be ambitious, to work hard and do all I can for the advancement of your kingdom. I want to give my time. I want to give my energy. I want to give my gifts. I want to give my money. Lord, there's nothing I won't give. I'll give it all for you because you gave it all for me if we could just have the ushers begin to pass out the elements for communion let's prepare our hearts as we remember the broken body and shed blood of our lord in just a moment i have a story i want to share with you that i hope will just illustrate how it's possible for the master To look upon his servants and see some who have five and some who have two and the one who had five earns five more. He says the same exact thing to the one who had five and turned it into ten that he does to the one who had two and turned it into four. There's just this same joy. Same joy, same delight each according to his ability. My kids love to draw me pictures. They're each artists. Some are older than others. Some have been drawing more than others. And so this Father's Day, I received four cards. And beginning with the oldest, I believe down to the youngest, it actually happened this way. They came to me and carried up to me Father's Day cards that they had made from paper that I had provided for them. And they came up, and the oldest gives me Father's Day card, and it's just full of beautiful artistic artwork. It's more eloquently written, because the vocabulary is more broad. And I was so happy to get that for my oldest. And then my second oldest comes, and she gives me a beautiful, beautiful card. And I took so much delight in that as well. And then my thirdborn came. <laughs> I got Flash. <laughs> Loved Flash growing up. <laughs> Had the comics. I told my kids that in a, in a passing statement. She must have hooked on to this. Just out of love for me as her father. She wanted to do something specific. For me. And then my youngest came to me. (laughs) And drew just this beautiful picture. (laughs) I don't know if you'll be able to see it. You can come up and see it afterwards. It's a treasure. But it's in pencil. It's got scribbles all the way down the line. It's got two hands raised in the air. And a happy face. And a person next to them with a frowny face. With a spiritual lesson that he wanted to impress on me the, on Father's Day. You know, none of these are Rembrandts and going to end up in the Philadelphia Art Museum. But day after day and week after week, my office has more and more piles of precious artwork. 
like this. And as they grow older, it becomes more elaborate, more beautiful. But it never, ever increases my joy with their increasing skill. Equally, I just grabbed onto them and held onto them and just can't believe I get to be your dad. I can't believe I got you guys as my kids. I can't believe I'm just so blown away. I'd, I'd do anything for you. I'd sacrifice anything for you. I'm so thankful for these cards. I look through each one and the smile's just as big. The love just gushes out and... You know, I, I look at my labors for the Lord and I, I feel like the, the two talent guy and my artwork for Jesus feels like it's just this frayed up piece of paper that had scribbles over it. And I can't even draw a stick figure for him. But man, do I love him. Man, am I so grateful that he died for me. Man, am I so grateful that he rose from the dead for this sinner. Man, am I so grateful for the broken body and shed blood of my precious Lord. And I just realized, Lord, I've got one life and time is short. I just, Lord, I want to offer up my life in spirit and in truth. I want to, I want to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto you. I, I want to turn away from the table of the world. I want to eat at the table of heaven. I want to, Give everything I've got in this short earthly life that I've got to live for your glory. And here, here's my precious card, Jesus. That's how I feel. What's amazing is on that final day of judgment, you are going to be on the receiving end of a joy. As his child, it's going to be personal. It's each one's personally before him. And you are going to be lavished, faithful servants, with a well-done, good, and faithful servant. Enter in. Here's your joy, and here's your joy. Enter into the joy of your master. And it's going to be all worth it. Everything that you're going through now, all the hardship, all the trial, all the difficulty, all the depression, all the discouragements, all the battling the fiery darts of the evil one, all the putting up the shield of faith, feeling like you're not going to make it, but man, you keep making it. And man, sister, you keep pressing on. And brother, you keep standing firm. You are going to be richly rewarded on that final day. And you're going to put all of this tribulation and this troubled world forever behind you. He'll wipe every tear away from your eyes. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be glorious. And church, I'm going to be able to enjoy it together with all of you. Let us remember right now how it was all possible. Because someone gave his his all. The last drop of his blood. Greatest act of devotion, of obedience to his father. Pressed harder than any of us have ever been pressed. Resisting temptation to the point of shedding his blood. All for you. Because he loved you so much. He gave himself for you. 
you are his servant. You are his child. You are his, Deuteronomy 7 says, treasured possession. And as you partake this morning, Christian, remember his broken body and receive it as an expression of his love to you as you partake. Let us partake. He also gave his life as a ransom for many, shed his blood as an atoning sacrifice. His blood also paid our ransom. And we have been set free and delivered from sin and death and Satan's rule. And we have been brought under his loving lordship. Oh, the cruel hard man, the cruel taskmaster was Satan who we were once under. Now we are under our benevolent master, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who loved us and shed his blood for us. Brothers and sisters, let us remember him. And remember that not very far into the future, we'll be enjoying at the marriage supper of the Lamb, drinking it anew with Jesus in his kingdom as his bride is now together forever with the bridegroom, the precious blood of Christ that made it all possible. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, Tom, if you and the worship band can return, we got to worship. We got to remember. We got to worship. Let us close in prayer and thank him. Lord, we thank you so much for just your awesomeness. We thank you that we were once objects of your wrath, but now we're objects of your mercy. We are your servants. We are your slaves and joyful slaves we are. We're so grateful to be under your lordship. We remember what it was like to be under our sin and under Satan, God. And we're so grateful to be out of that darkness and that dungeon and to be out into the light. Almighty God, we're free. But our, we don't want to ever use our freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Lord, we want to use our freedom to serve you. We want to be servants like these first two. Protect all of us in this room from being like the third servant who gives himself or herself over to a hard, wicked, slothful, unbelieving heart that leads them to fall away from the living God. God, please let us all have soft, tender thoughts. Thoughts of the cross. Thoughts of look at how much I love you. Look at how I've proven it to you again and again. Oh, almighty God, let all of us be protected and safeguarded from hard thoughts of you and have soft, loving, worshipful thoughts that worships you in spirit and in truth. And then we go out these doors and we continue to worship you every day of the week and in private times when no one else is looking and when everybody's eyes are on us at every moment. We want to offer up our lives to you in spirit and in truth. We want to worship you with passion and devotion. We're so grateful that you've entrusted us with these talents. Lord, help us to put them to use for your glory, knowing the eternal reward that awaits us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, church, don't we love them? Let's stand. Lord, one day, one day, one day we will stand before you.
clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we will hear from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, how we long for that day. And yet, Lord, while we are here, while we are in this fallen world, in these jars of clay, you've given us a treasure. You've given us your spirit. And you've given us the ability to serve you. You've given us the privilege of doing your work in this world, Lord. Help us never to take that either for granted or to take it lightly, Lord. Lord, help us to always fulfill the responsibility of grace that you've given us in this world. We want you to be pleased with us, Lord. We want to please you and honor you every day of our lives, Lord. It's not just about that day. It's about every day here, hearing from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. So that when we lay down to sleep every night, that that truth echoes in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. And so that when we wake up every morning, there's that impetus of, I want to lay down to that well done, faithful servant. And it is your faithfulness that enables that in us, Lord. We thank you for that. And we give you praise and honor and glory today and every day, Lord. As we go from this place, help us to honor you with our lives and live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Jesus Christ. Amen.